Hey, it's not quite the DeLorean, but we're going back in time with a new podcast feed full of all my favorite interviews in the history of the Bill Simmons podcast. We're coming up on seven years now. I've had an unbelievable collection of athletes, celebrities, showrunners, directors, Matt Damon, Denzel Washington, Adam Sandler, Kevin Garnett, Shirley Theron, Tom Hanks, Bill Burr, Kevin Durant, Peyton Manning, The Undertaker, Eddie Vedder, Kyrie Irving. Yeah, he actually came on. Dave Grohl, Quavo, Barack Obama. I mean, what else can I tell you? I've had Al Pacino with Barry Levinson. I've had people like Steph Curry, Jason Bateman, John C. Riley, Jonah Hill. I could just, I could keep going and going. But wait, there's more. Whether it's your first time or you're planning on revisiting some of your favorites, make sure you head to BillSimmonsInterviews.TheRinger.com for the entire archive. You can sort by genre, year, and more to easily navigate all your favorite people. Follow the Bill Simmons podcast, The Interviews, on Spotify now. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. Take a shot at betting the NBA with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. baby welcome in a jam-packed monday edition of new york new york with yours truly jj john jay we're right here after a tale of two weekends a tale of two vibes when you think about the two baseball teams in town couldn't feel couldn't look couldn't be any different right about now as we sit here on august the 8th but we got to start with the team that made the monster statement with the team that basically flexed all over the reigning World Series champs and took four out of five games. That would be the New York Mets. Holy moly, what a weekend for the Mets. What a weekend for the Mets. They started off on Thursday. The statement made by Buck Showalter. This is why, folks, a manager matters. Because you know what Buck said? The hell with the game script. The hell with this. The hell with that. Edward Diaz had an easy eighth inning against the heart of the brave order. A lot of the robotic analytics would say yank Edwin Diaz and not pitch him in the ninth inning. Buck said, you know what? The hell with that. We got a chance to set a tone for this series right here and right now. And I'm going to put the best closer in all baseball. That's what Edwin Diaz is right now, folks. Can't believe I'm saying it. Best closer in baseball. I'm letting him finish the ninth inning. Boom, Mets win that game. And it worked brilliantly because Friday, they didn't need Edwin Diaz. Taiwan Walker gets roughed up. If it wasn't for Louis G getting thrown out at the plate, I am convinced the Mets would have found a way to win that ball game on Friday night. They fight back, close but no cigar. But then the stage is set for Saturday. And I got to be honest on Saturday. I don't think the Mets are going to win the first game with Peterson. And because it's baseball and because it makes no sense, They'll lose the nightcap. Wrong. The Mets go and win both games. Peterson is fantastic. The Mets just nickel and dime the Braves every which way. Alonzo in the middle of it. Lindor in the middle of it. McNeil getting hits. Uh, up and down the lineup, they are contributing. McCann even comes through with a big hit. And they win that first game. And I'm like, all right, 
great, they won the first game, but they had to bring Edwin Diaz in when they were up comfortably in the ninth inning. And I'm like, geez, is that going to come back and cost the Mets in the ninth inning? Once again, big fat no. Why? The Mets have the ultimate ace in the hole. And that would be Max Scherzer. Scherzer on Saturday night, it's no bullshit. It's give me the ball. It's get out of my way. I'm going to grind. I'm going to work. And I'm going to make you look stupid at the plate. That's what Max Scherzer did over seven innings against the Atlanta Braves. He made them look flat out stupid. The Mets, some soft contact. They take advantage of some sloppy Atlanta defense. Think about it. Atlanta doesn't turn that double play on the rough ball. The Mets have Louis G nailing Travis Darno at the point because he stumbled. Even Scherzer said after the game, he's like, I can't believe Louis G was throwing the ball home. Knew what he was doing. Those little intangible intricacies. The Mets had a major leg up on the Braves, running the bases, playing defense. And their pitching was a heck of a lot better. Can't say enough about Scherzer. The guy, he's worth $50 million. Day in 40, he's worth 50, 60, 70 with the way he's throwing the ball for this team. He's worth every penny. And I'm jealous and I'm envious. I wish he was on my team. I wish he was on my team. How do you not marvel at what that dude brings to the mound every fifth day? He's a badass. He's got a sub two ERA. He's like 37, 38. He's like fine wine. He's getting better. Crazy. But then Sunday is the icing on the cake because it's the long anticipated Jacob DeGrom City Field 2022 debut. And once again, much like Scherzer, Phil. Perfection for five innings, double digit strikeouts. Three up, three down, three up, three down, to the point where I actually, sixth inning, I'm saying, you know what? It kind of behooves the Mets for somebody on Atlanta to get ahead. Because you don't even want to be tempted with the idea of, oh, perfection. No, 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 no. Jake is just too important in the long haul. The bigger picture where, you know what? I know it might be spit on baseball history. That's not my endgame from the Mets. My endgame is winning a world championship, something they have not done since 1986. They need DeGrom in order to do so. And when he's pitching like that, man, I need him out there every fifth day. The stuff, better than ever. Better than ever. Basically picking up right where he left off from last year. He's the best pitcher in baseball. Is there any debate in that? When he's on the mound, when he's right, he's the best pitcher in baseball. And the New York Mets against a vaunted powerhouse Atlanta Brave lineup, an Atlanta Brave team that was red hot for two months. The Mets go and strike out. Listen to this. 19 Atlanta Braves batters. 19. They take four out of five. They now have a six and a half game lead in this division. And it's now to the point with the Mets where you are dreaming big. How can you not? You think about Scherzer, DeGrom, that's Kurt Schilling, Randy Johnson reincarnated, as far as I'm concerned. Those two guys in a postseason series, I would want no part of playing the Mets. Then you throw in the unhittable nature of Diaz. Diaz is unhittable. You can't touch the guy right now. And the Met lineup grinds you out. They're well run. They can win the World Series. Why not the Mets? To throw that in the air is not crazy talk at all. The Mets can win a World Series this year. And I'm going to say something that's probably going to offend a lot of the Yankee brethren that is listening right now. Because we'll get to that team that has completely hit the skids over the last couple of weeks. If you're going to tell me right now who's got a better chance to win the World Series, the Yankees or the Mets, and I get a choice. I'm taking the Mets. Right here, right now, I'm taking the Mets. How can you not? I know what I'm getting with Scherzer and DeGrom. Do you know what you got with Garrett Cole and Clay Holmes? I don't. I don't. And I think some of the Yankee concerns, which we will get to, are legitimate. Some of them are not. But the Mets got it cooking. The feel and the vibe around the Mets is just like through the roof. It's as giddy as can be. And I think you can now say it. I know my buddy, Mr. Licata over at SNY, has been saying for months the NL East is over. I never thought the Braves were winning the division this year. 
Uh, he has been steadfast. He has not backed down. He's going to be right about that one. That's uh, a feather in the cap for Mr. Licata. Good for him. And I now on August the 7th with 10 to This division looks over and it looks like it's the Mets cruise control across the board. We'll see what happens over the next few weeks, but the Mets are going to win the National League East. What a weekend for them. Now, the Yankees are playing their worst baseball of the year. What you have to break down with the Yankees is what is legitimate as far as concern and what is unreasonable. You knew the Yankees were not going to play 750 ball all year. But the Yankees now, for the better part of 40 games, have been an under 500 baseball team. They lose two out of three to the Mariners. They did not play well going in the All-Star break. They are under 500 after the All-Star break. And they get swept by the St. Louis Cardinals. Friday was horrendous. From taking Cortez out when he's got one hit through five and a third innings was a joke. Then you got to see Holmes yuck it up. He, he's walking a guy. He's giving up a double of Paul DeYoung, who hasn't had a hit all year. Set a terrible tone for the weekend. Then I got to watch Montgomery shove it down the Yankees' throats. And the lineup the Yankees ran out there on Friday was embarrassing. But again, you're seeing with this team the presence and the difference that John Carlos Stanton and that Anthony Rizzo provide in the middle of that order. You take those two guys away, Yankee lineup don't look as good. It simply don't look as good. That hurt him on Saturday. Not Domingo Herman. What hurt him was their two big boppers weren't there. And then on Sunday, Frankie Montez, and I know he didn't pitch in two weeks. I know he's dealing with some personal stuff. He was on the bereavement list. They're basically rushing him to start. No excuses. You got to be better than that. The team hands you a four-to-one lead, and you basically walk in the bottom of the order, and then boom, you give up the rocket home run to Nolan Arenado. That's non-competitive for Montez. Absolutely non-competitive. And when the Yankees try to get you back in the game with Judge trying to be the MVP, doing everything in his power, hitting doubles here, hitting doubles there, the Yankee bullpen gives it right back. And why the Yankees sent Marinaccio down and decided, oh, we must keep Albert Abreu? Give me a break. Marinaccio has been one of their best relievers over the last three weeks. Newsflash, you need him now. You need him now. So the Yankees are in a monster funk. Let's break down, though, real concern, not real concern. The lineup for me, I'm not that concerned right here, right now. Why is that? You're missing Stanton and you're missing Rizzo. I can't overlook that. I know people are freaking out about Hicks. Hicks better not be anywhere near playoff at bats. That's number one. Number two, Donaldson against right-handed pitching. How is Josh Donaldson in a lineup over Matt Carpenter? He shouldn't be. And if anything, the choice for the Yankees in the postseason will be Donaldson Torres, not Donaldson Carpenter. Against righties, again this weekend, you see it. Carpenter's at bats are really good. He has got to play. So I think the lineup will be fine, ultimately. Assuming you get those guys back, which I think that you will. Stan, hopefully, this weekend. Rizzo, hopefully, in a couple of days, and he avoids an IL stint. Benintendi finally started coming around this weekend. Um, DJ LeMayu swinging a hot bat. Get those guys back, and we'll see what the Yankee lineup looks like. Okay. Now, this is where I'm really concerned. Really, really concerned. It's now time to sound the alarm on Clay Holmes. It's, it's time to sound the alarm because he's been bad for a month. He's blown a bunch of saves. He's got no idea where the baseball's going. The command is not there. And I think the Yankees, for them to be a championship-caliber team, they need Holmes to figure it out and figure it out fast. I'm not willing and ready to go and put Chapman back in that ninth inning. I, I, I don't want it. I don't need it. I don't trust him. I've been there. I've done that. I think the Yankees need Holmes to figure it out. The other bullpen arms, Wiseman hasn't been right all year. Efros got a little roughed up today, but for the most part, I like what I've seen. Trevino, I've liked what I've seen. They got to figure out Wiseman, and they must figure out Holmes. I'm very concerned about Holmes. And now, front center, Garrett Cole starts. I need him to turn it around. He's going to be judged on October. I don't want to make too much out of the Red Sox start last year, but I think a lot of you, simply put, have way too much PTSD from that game. And you're haunted by now a couple of these games that we've seen from Garrett Cole, non-competitive starts. He's had back-to-back bad starts. 
it behooves him to go and shove against the Seattle Mariners this week. But the Yankees playing bad baseball. The things they were doing brilliantly earlier in the year, running the bases, playing defense, getting the big hit, they're doing none of that right now. They're doing none of that. They're playing like the 2021 New York Yankees. They got to get Cole figured out. They need Montez now. Okay, bad start, fine. Don't suck the next time you're out. Can't have that. Tyone and Herman, you don't feel great about. They need Montez to pitch well. So if that is going to be the Montez you got, the Yankees are in big, big trouble. I'm not sounding the alarm on him after one bad start, though. Just got to be better. The overall operation for the Yankees got to be better. But the vibe, it isn't amazing how things can change instantly. The Yankees had everything going their way. People are talking about record-setting year and this and that. The vibe around the team now is very down. And the vibe around the Mets is through the roof. You're going to ride those roller coasters. But in early August, who's better positioned out of the two New York teams to win a championship right here and right now? My answer would be the Mets. That's just real talk. Is that going to be the case? Who the hell knows? But in early August, that would be my lean. We got a loaded show. Our buddy, our pal, Steve Gelbs. SNY Mets extraordinaire. It's good for Steve. You know, he's been doing that beat for a long time. Finally has a winner. You know, he had 2015, but the last couple of years have been rotten for Steve. He's got a winning team. So he's going to be getting, he's going to join us. We'll have voicemails after Steve. Mixed in a little trivia as well. All that more. But the esteemed reporter of the New York Mets, Mr. Gelbs, is up next. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. What a weekend for the New York Mets. They take four out of five from the Atlanta Braves. They sweep a doubleheader on Saturday. Jacob DeGrom throws five perfect innings. The Braves struck out basically every other batter. And life is good in Metland. When life is good in Metland, it's always good to welcome back my old pal. We go way back from the Syracuse days, yelling and screaming at Springsteen concerts. Now I guess we're colleagues, even though I never see the guy because he's in the field. I'm in the studio. I work the crazy hours. His hours are actually crazy. Who are we kidding? But Steve Gelbs, how are you, my man? What's happening, dude? What's up, baby? How you doing? Life is good in Metland. How is how does it feel to cover a winning team for a change? Must be nice, right? You know what? I, I was actually just talking aside. I actually was telling Brandon Nemo this on the field before we did our post-game interview. It's starting to feel very much like 2015 in the sense that now that team after the All-Star break and, and after the trade deadline, had a couple of really big series with the Nationals at that time. And, you know, they swept them right after the trade for Cespedes and, and the Flores, and everybody knows that story. And then they went to D.C. and, you know, really buried the Nationals. And it's starting to feel that way with this Mets team and the Braves. You know, the, the series in early July was, I thought, kind of a statement with everybody panicking as the Braves are playing uh, hot as anybody in the league, and the Mets weren't quite as hot as they were at the beginning of the season. But to take 2-3 in Atlanta, I thought, was a statement. But this weekend, uh, they just looked like the far superior team. And I have Scherzer and DeGrom healthy back-to-back. Diaz having one of the great seasons any closer in the history of the game has had. Uh, they're just they're electric, and it starts to make you think about the possibilities of what this team could do. No doubt about it. I'm glad you brought up the Nationals 2015 series because I felt the same sort of vibe, exactly what you were hitting on, Steve. The only difference to me, though, and you're around each team, right? Like you're around the 2015 Mets every single day. You're around this Met team every single day. The difference is, Gelbs, that team in 2015 wasn't any good for four months. Got Cespedes, got hot at the right time and took off. The dirty little secret with this team is, 
they've been playing great ball all year. They've been winning series all year, but now they're fully whole. They're, they're this fully armed operational Death Star with DeGrom and Scherzer doing their thing at the top of the rotation. This team is so much better than the 2015 team, dude. Uh, yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, that 2015 team was kind of lightning in a bottle and obviously Cespedes, but that young starting pitching staff. And it was it was what people expected would be, and it was, it was fleeting, but that pitching staff, when healthy, was amazing. And, you know, a very tough team to beat. This team is significantly better than that team was. Uh, there is no doubt in my mind the parallel is just the the second half series against the the second place team, or in that case, now the Nationals. If I remember correctly, in 2015, the Nationals were up by three games heading into that series after the the trade deadline. So a little bit different there, but um, you know, just those those series in August against the team that they were fighting in the division and kind of burying them. And you know, the Mets still have to go to Atlanta, and there's there's a big series coming up in what a week, week and a half. But I just have a hard time believing that this team isn't going to take off and, and that the Braves are going to be able to catch them. They're just, they're so deep. The trades they made at the deadline on the offensive side are paying huge dividends already. Uh, and again, getting Jacob Grom back and having the Grom be as good as he ever was after missing 13 months, it is, it's such a rare thing to witness. You know, and then you can also make the same case with, with Scherzer, who, somehow at this stage in his career seems to keep getting better. And the same thing with, with Justin Verlander and the AL, both these guys at their age having sub two ERA as we sit here on August 7th. Gelsey, it's crazy. DeGrom comes back. He's throwing 95 mile an hour sliders. The fastball is 101, 102. And he dominated the nationals. They don't score for him. They lose that game. Uh, what else is new? But today, DeGrom from the get-go against a team that can hit the ball out of the ballpark, a team that's got studs all over the place. He made him look stupid. I almost think in a way, Gelbs, Buck will never admit this. I don't know if he mentioned it after the game with you guys. It's almost a blessing he didn't continue with that perfect game. The last thing you want, considering how important this guy is to the team, is that he's perfect through six or he's perfect through seven, and that flirtation is there. Not that you're rooting for him to give up a hit and give up a run or whatever, but in many ways it was almost a blessing. Hey, five perfect innings ran out of a little bit of gas in his sixth inning, and he could keep building up that way. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't disagree. I mean, when he walked the, the nine-hitter, I said, all right, that takes that take Buck a little bit off the hook. But there was no way, no way that they were letting Jake go past six. Even DeGrom admitted after the game that he wasn't going to argue if they took him out after six. What Jake was saying is that when it, it takes this long to get back, when you're out 13 months, that means something. And you understand how quickly – it can go away, and so DeGrom's not willing to risk anything for even the type of moment that, that was potentially on the table today. Um, so, you know, it was never realistic, but I do think that, uh, at least for the fan base that was that was in attendance, it at least took took them off the hook, because I'm sure you would have heard some mixed reactions if he didn't come out there for the seventh and had gone 18 up, 18 down with 12, 13 strikeouts. Gelsey, it's no secret. Buck Showalter in the dugout, adding Max Scherzer to this team. Those two moves were slam dunks every which way. And it's probably impossible to pick between the two, but I'm going to give you the option. You're around the team every single day. Who has had more of an impact on this team, in your opinion? And I know the answer yeah, is both, but if you have to pick one, uh, is it Buck or is it Scherzer? It's really tough. It has to be Buck, though. I mean, Scherzer has changed the culture in his own way, and I think the thing that, that being up close to Scherzer has done for me is allow me to see what he brings to a clubhouse and not just the competitive nature on the mound every five days. I mean, this guy is as locked in as any starting pitcher I've ever seen to every other game and every other thing that's going on in the game. And it, it matters. And he has certainly elevated everything in that clubhouse. But the way that Buck commands that room, the way that Buck pays attention to every tiny little detail. I mean, you saw it again today. I know the play didn't get overturned fully, but that was that was because Buck, quite frankly, knew more than the ups in the in the what was it, the first inning when um, Nimmo ran first to second and slid while 
being tagged for uh, the potential double play and for the second time in in uh, you know with the span of a couple of weeks this guy was was uh, almost getting first and second nobody out from what would have been a double play that that's just a, an attention to detail play that Buck Walter worked on with the team during a rainy day in spring he put four or five plays on the video and said to the guys hey now, this is something that may never happen this season. It may only happen once in your career, but it could be the difference between winning and losing a ball game. Uh, and so far, it potentially was the difference between winning and losing two ball games. So uh, it's just the, the guy doesn't miss anything. And I think it's not that the Mets didn't have good managers before. I think uh, Terry Terry was really good for this team. Uh, Mickey was a disaster. Disaster. But, disaster. Um, you know, but, but I also think Luis Rojas, has the potential to be a very good manager one day and just wasn't, it wasn't the right time for him. But when you see what Buck brings to the table, you recognize not just what the Mets are missing, but what most teams around Major League Baseball are missing. He is that true difference maker in the dugout. Uh, and I think it's just, it's very difficult to put a starting pitcher, no matter how much of an impact he has on the clubhouse, on the group, over a manager like Buck Showalter, what he's able to do. Steve, you're a good historian of New York. You know, for a lot of guys who come to New York, if they hit the bumpy road and they struggle for multiple years, they don't dig themselves out of that ditch. What Edwin Diaz has done to change the narrative from where he was in 2019, where he was an out-and-out disaster every which way, and he even saw a couple of blimps the last two years where it's like, I don't trust this guy. I don't believe in this guy. If it's a big save, I don't feel confident in his ability to do the job. All of a sudden now, he's the best closer in all baseball. You can't touch the guy. He goes six outs the other day. That set a tone in the series. Comes in today, and he's absolutely unhittable. Puts out the fire on Saturday. Like, the the guy is unbelievable. Is there any difference in the demeanor, in the personality? Like, for you being around Edwin Diaz, when was the moment for you where you said, hey, guess what? Those struggles, those nonsensical blown saves, those blobs that we would see all the time, they're over. They're done with. I can count on this guy. Was there a particular moment for you? Yeah. Yeah. You know, honestly, for me, it happened probably during the 2020 season. And I, I thought I was I'm so happy, first of all, that you're bringing up what I don't think it's talked about enough that. That 2019 season would have broken 95% of people in this town. And it is remarkable that he picked himself off the mat to even become a very good option again, let alone the best option in the history of the franchise. One of the best options in the history of the league. You know, I mean, that's, that's the type of level that he's, he's put himself on right now. For me, though, I really did think that there were, there were signs in 2020 that he had turned it around. I thought he was very good last year. I actually, when I go back into the studio at some point, I gotta, I gotta bring it up with Sal because last year I tweeted something like, uh, "For those who need to hear it, Edwin Diaz is good," and Sal said, "At what?" You know, and <laughs> because there were just so many fans that said, and I understand that based on 2019, didn't want to fully embrace him again, and we're waiting for that other shoe to drop. But this year, when you talk about demeanor, it's on such a different level. He's always been accountable. He's always been someone that has seemed to have confidence and an easygoing nature. I don't want to say act cocky. It's not cocky. It's just this self-assuredness that he knows he is the nastiest pitcher out there. And he knows that nobody can touch him when he's on his game. And so he talks, you know, he'll say that. I know I'm nasty. I know I'm the best. I know. He says that, and he's never said that before. So there's definitely a different swagger. And I think when you look at what he's done this year and how he's elevated, and you not just talk to him, but you also talk to players around the league, he's focused a lot this year on not just having the nasty stuff, but being able to command it in a almost in a similar way to Jacob DeGrom. Uh, he worked a lot on commanding the fastball down and away to righties, which is what Jacob DeGrom talks about all the time. And I was talking to Austin Riley the other day, who struck out, I think it was the first game of the series, and he said that to him, that's the difference, that that swing and miss, it was right on the black. It's not like 
know, he's leaving pitches out over the middle of the plate, and it's just his stuff is so nasty that people are swinging over it. His stuff is nasty, and it's painted. And so that's really been, you know, that's been the separating factor. He's throwing more first-pitch strikes percentage-wise than anybody in Major League Baseball. So he's getting ahead of guys. They just they have no chance against him, and uh, it's been it's been exhilarating to watch him pitch this year. It really has. Steve, another guy who I gave a hard time to last year because he earns a ton of money. He underperformed. Uh, I thought he was in the middle of way too much nonsense in the clubhouse, the whole rat raccoon nonsense, uh, the nonsense with Baez, which was a total disaster. But give Lindor credit. He has been as advertised this year. Like, he is the guy this year I thought the Mets were getting from Cleveland. He's getting big hits. He's picking it at shortstop. He's been a leader. He's made things happen at the top of the order. Fair to say this is the version of Francisco Lindor, the Mets they were get, thought they were getting a couple years ago, right? Yeah, no doubt. And I think there were questions at the beginning of this season, too, because he did not get off to a great start. And he started out the first few weeks, if I remember correctly, were pretty good. But then went to a pretty significant slump again. And you weren't really seeing the power. And, and it just it was a long stretch of time where you said, what? where is it? So where is this... Um, this guy that, that was so electric in Cleveland. And you, know, you asked if there was a turning point for Edwin Diaz, and there was for, for Lindor. There really hasn't been. It's just kind of been this consistency and this slow build. And, uh, you know, Buck talks about all the time the way that he's able to just, you know, be called upon every single day. He played with a broken finger for close to a month. He doesn't come out of games. He doesn't. This guy is just there every single day. He is such a good defensive player, um, much better than people realize. You almost have to talk to the other infielders and the coaches to understand the type of thing he has, putting himself, moving himself before pitches, reading swings, and just taking one extra step to put himself in a position to make a play. He's been sensational defensively this year, and over the last month, month and a half, what he's done at the plate has has really been something else. Getting hits, hitting for power, driving and run. He's going to easily set the franchise record the next week or so for RBIs for a shortstop. And I saw something the other day that when Lindor, I'm sorry, when Nimmo and Marte are on base, both of them are in the top 20 in Major League Baseball in terms of how many times they score runs, percentage of times they score runs, when they get on base, that's all because of the two guys that's been behind this year, Lindor and Alonzo, who have been really something else, really something special driving those guys in. You mentioned the trade deadline. I think they're A-OK offensively. The platoon works at DH. Uh, the idea that they bring in Nate Quinn, who to me is a perfect complement in the outfield, that really works out well. I'm still nervous about that bullpen, though, Gelbs. Outside right. of Diaz, and I know Adovino did the job this weekend, I don't trust him. I saw him with the Yankees, saw him with the Red Sox. I don't trust him in big spots. Got to see it from Givens. Look at McGill as a guy who could be an answer in the back end. Bigger concern for you, the Mets not hitting for enough power, or is it that roadmap to Edwin Diaz? What's your bigger fear for the Mets going into October? By far, it's bullpen. And I, I agree with you. I said this on our pregame show the day of the trade deadline. I thought they'd do more specifically with the bullpen and specifically with lefty relief. And listen, today, if Joely Rodriguez can pitch like he did today, then I'll stop talking because he was fantastic. The changeup was as good as we've ever seen it. Gave the Mets a very necessary two and a third. But Joely's been shaky this year, and he's had to he's had to earn back some trust as of late. Uh, so, you know, for me, I'm listen, I'm not concerned about Adovino. Adovino's been fantastic. He has obviously lights out. Lugo's looked a lot better lately, and I do think that they will have some options in terms of starting pitchers that'll go back there. I think McGill's really intriguing as to what he can do out of the bullpen. That velocity will play up. He'll probably be touching you know, 98, 99, maybe triple digits out of the pen, and I think that whatever starting pitcher they throw back there that's not going to be in the playoff rotation will be really helpful for them as well. But the way that this NL breaks down, man, you've got big lefties all across the board in the playoffs. And you can just see the big spot against Juan Soto late in the game or Freddie Freeman or, or Bryce Harper or you know those types of at-bats. 
and you don't really have that lefty answer that you just feel fantastic about coming in in that spot. So for me, that is the point of concern, and it will be the point of concern until it's not. I mean, that's that's really the answer. As for the the question though about the Mets not hitting for enough power, personally, I'm not concerned about that at all. If you and and you will know this so well because of the fan that you are, Eric Chavez from day one has tried to mold this Mets offense uh, in the way that the late 90s Yankees offense were built, where he said he remembers being in Oakland, a young player, standing at third base, and just feeling like every single hitter was 3-2. They were relentless. They would just wear down those starting pitchers. And it happened a decent amount early this season, but over the last month or so since the All-Star break, it has been ridiculously consistent. They are a nightmare to go up against. These starting pitchers are just worn out every single at-bat consistently across the board. The first inning, 20 pitches, 25 pitches, 30 pitches. And so I think, personally, that's a better way to win in the playoffs. And Eric Chavez thinks that's a better way to win in the playoffs. The thing about the all-or-nothing team the teams like the Braves, quite frankly, is that if you run into starting pitching that is elite, they can take advantage of holes in those swings. And you saw the Braves strike out 19 times today. The Braves are a great offensive team, but the Mets pitching has shut them down for the most part. The Mets offense is very difficult to shut down because they are not all or nothing hitters. And so when you combine that with the elite starting pitching, with the elite defense, I think the Mets are better suited to win with an offense like this rather than an offense like most in the majors are right now, which is much more all or nothing. Buddy, final one. Confidence level, one being the lowest, 10 being the highest. Where are we at? Jets, win total. It's in Vegas (laughs) at six and a half. And I know you're going to be very busy the next month. But you'll be back in studio with the the green ties. I actually want to see a green suit out of you this year. I may even get you to my tailor, get you 10% off. But I want a green suit for Gelbs. What is the confidence level in that win total for you, sir? First of all, JJ, I'm very sad because I now recognize you did not watch every Jets postgame show last year because I got a green suit last oh, you, year. I missed the green suit. I missed the green suit. That's a, that's a bad job so, by me, bud. That's a party foul. So, party foul. Don't, don't worry about it. Just watch this year. And actually this week, talk about being busy, the Thursday night the Mets have off, I will be in studio as we get our Jets. Wow, I'm going to be seeing going. a lot so, of you this week is what you're telling me. I'm going to be seeing a lot of you. Nice. About time. A lot of me this week, JJ. And that, listen, I'm preparing for a crazy September and October flying back and forth playoff games and Jets pre and post, whatever. But, you know, this is why we do the job. I, I am going to, when you say confidence level, I can't give a confidence level uh, a 7, 8, 9, 10 that they're going to be over that number just because of their schedule. But I feel really good about this team making major strides. I don't know if that's going to reveal itself in that many wins. I don't know if they're going to be a playoff contender just yet. Uh, I love what I've been hearing about how Zach Wilson looked this far in camp. I think he is undoubtedly the X factor because everything else that they've done, I just I feel is fantastic. I feel that they've surrounded him with the weapons, with the Lions, with the defense. Um, we need to see if Zach Wilson can take that next step. If he can. I think they will go over that six-and-a-half win total. I think they will be playing meaningful games down the stretch. I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs this year, but it would not shock me at all if they made a big, big leap this year and if they were a playoff team next year. I love what they've done, and I think the Jets fans have a lot to be excited about. I think if you're that prototypical Mets and Jets fan, for the first time in a long time, you can feel really good about where both of these franchises are and where they're going to be. Buddy, it's good hearing your voice. Uh, I'm glad I'm going to see you this week. Uh, you and I have got to put some favors to work, though, with these Springsteen tickets that are out of control right now across the board. Uh, you might have a little bit more pull than I do. So I think between the two of us, if we put our great minds together, we might be able to pull a couple of strings. We need to make that happen, though, okay? 
Uh, I think it's uh, no doubter that we'll figure it out. And uh, I will see you tomorrow, my friend. And we'll get cracked. I like the confidence. Steve Delves, SNY, been a busy man. Keep up the good work, buddy. Appreciate you, all right? All right. All right, brother, you too. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. Ton of fun there with Stevie. And, you know, he brings up an excellent point about the Met lineup. You want to have a couple of guys to hit some long balls? They have that. Alonzo can. Marte can when you need him to. Lindor can when you need him to. Grind down at bat still always is going to play in the month of October. The Mets are super dangerous, folks. You don't win parades. You don't get a parade in August. I understand that. But the Mets are super, super dangerous. Insanely dangerous. 917-382-1151. And I got to commend you guys. Thursday, our live was outstanding. And Saturday, kind of impromptu. We were rocking 500 strong in there. So that was absolutely outstanding. And we basically went like an hour and 20 minutes with without taking a break. And your calls were great. So I appreciate you with that. Uh, and we'll figure out what we're going to do one later on this week. Uh, we'll, we'll play it by ear. But first, voicemail time. Steph, welcome back from Vegas. Let's hear him. Hey, JJ. Jazz from Queens here. Uh, big fan of the show. And uh, I can't wait. To, I'm coming in hot right now, right now, bro. The Mets, we deserve to win this division. We just destroyed the Braves. We showed we're the better team. And JJ, I gotta tell you something, bro. This is, this is the best I have felt about this Mets team in so long. And I, I just want to talk some shit, man. Cause listen, I, I'm one of those Mets fans. I've been a Mets fan for a long time. I've seen this team do some inexplicable, uh, inexplicable things. I've seen them blow some games. I've seen them blow division leads, but this team is just built different, man. Behind Buck, Lindor, DeGrom is back. Pete has been absolutely unbelievable. Uh, uh, Diaz has been absolutely lights out. He looks absolutely unhittable right now. We have Scherzer, which is still kind of hard to believe sometimes. This team is winning the division. I just have to say that. I, I have to talk that shit. We are winning the division. We are better than the Braves. And, uh, and you know, I'm still nervous about the Dodgers and the Padres in the postseason, but man, we got two of the best pitchers in the league. We got hitters up and down the lineup. We work counts and, uh, I, I wish we had gotten a couple more bullpen arms, but you know what? I, I'm ready to believe, man. I am absolutely ready to believe. This team is showing you something, and I, I think it starts from the top. It's, it's all because of Buck, man. Like, Buck has these guys locked in, ready to play every single day. They don't make mistakes. They work counts. And, yeah, Braves fans, <laughs> y'all can suck it, man, because we're better than you. And uh, that's all I wanted to say, JJ. Thanks for taking the call. I love the giddiness. And you know what? I have no problem with you talking that smack. If the team just won four out of five against the Atlanta Braves, you could talk all the smack you want. You got Scherzer and DeGrom one-two in your rotation. You got the best closer in all baseball. You're a well-run team with Buck. The lineup puts the ball in play and makes things happen. I'm with you. This division is over. You know, maybe the Braves flirt and make a little mini run and scare you a little bit. The, the Braves are not making up six and a half games. I know some of you live through 07, 08. I'm going to hear all that nonsense. This Met team is wired differently. And I've heard this a lot. Uh, here we go again. It's not the same old Mets. It's, it's not. But the way the manager does his business, the leaders on this team, the pitching that they have, it's not the same old Mets. And this team is as good. And the Astros are the clear-cut team to beat. Like, if we're being objective. Doesn't mean they're going to win. It's baseball. But, like, if you're power ranking them, Astros to me are going to be number one on those power rankings. But the Mets are right there. Like, the Mets are better positioned than the Yankees at this stage. In early August, they look the part more so of a World Series team. Not that the Yankees don't, and not that the Yankees can't, but you tell me I can line up DeGrom and Scherzer over Cole and Cortez, I'm, I'm going to take DeGrom and Scherzer. And I love Nesta. And I'm not even down on Cole the way some are down on Cole, but you're not taking Cole over those two guys. I'm sorry, you're not. That makes a difference. And having Diaz, too. is The fact that you have those two starters and Diaz is crazy. Crazy. Okay, who's next? What's up, JJ? It's Jack from D.C. 
And in the words of a former Yankee manager, it's not what you want. And I think we're at a point now where all the leash the Yankees have built up over the past few months is almost up. And I understand it's the dog days and we're just trying to get through August, but I can't sit here and pretend like everything's fine. And at the same time, I'm not going to act like the season's over, but what should my level of concern with the team be right now? Let's just stay on a scale through one, one through 10. Uh, talk to you later, JJ. That's a very good question. How about a five or a six? Is, is that reasonable? Five and a half, six? Because I'm concerned. Make no mistake. They've played bad baseball for a month. I told you I feel okay about the lineup. Assuming I get Stanton and Rizzo back in the fold. But I don't feel as good about Clay Holmes. I have my questions about Garrett Cole. I'm waiting on Luis Severino to come back. I need Montez to get humming and to get rolling. I'm not at the point now where I'm planning my World Series vacation. You know, where I'm getting ready for game one or game two of the World Series. Let's put it that way. Especially with the Yankee history against the Astros. And, you know, the Yankees should consider themselves very fortunate that they are still in a position where they maintain home field advantage because the Astros had... uh, a couple of hard games and tough games against the Cleveland Guardians. Uh, but they have a half-game lead. I don't expect the Yankees to have a home field advantage at this point. I don't. If you ask me, Guffield, the Yankees hosting the American League postseason, my money would be on that. You'd rather slump now than, I don't know, early to mid-October. That goes without saying. The crazy thing about this stretch for the Yankees is the run differential is still absurd. They are just losing a lot of close games. A lot of the close games the Yankees were winning earlier in the year, they're not winning now. Why's that? Bullpen. Timely hitting. Base running. Defense. All adds up. All adds up. So I'll say five and a half, six. Okay, who's next? JJ, it's Phil from Bedford calling after the Mets swept the Braves in a doubleheader yesterday. I know we've harped on it all year, but it's just you cannot talk enough about what a difference Buck Walter makes. I mean, compare watching Bucks teams versus Louis Rojas and Mickey Calloway the last couple of years. I mean, you had the thumbs-down garbage with Rojas last year. With Mickey Calloway, you had Jason Vargas attacking the media. And with Buck, you just have a professional organization. His, his team is constantly talking to him on the top step, step of the dugout during the game. And I just feel like this isn't even a great Mets team. They're just, they optimize their chances of winning every night with good base running, putting the ball in play, hitting the cutoff man. They're just so professional. Like, I, I think the Braves are a more talented team on paper. I mean, maybe the next hit, starting pitching is better. But, like, they just do everything right. I mean, take a look at last night. You have Giorme cutting down the guy at the plate. You have Alonzo with a great takeout slide into second. And in the eighth inning last night, to get some insurance runs, Escobar busted out of the box to get a leadoff double. Naquin swipes second base. Nito executes a perfect suicide squeeze. There's just It's such a pleasure watching a team that does the little things right. And that has to be from the top down. I, I attribute it all to Buck Showalter. Listen, I'm still deathly afraid of this bullpen outside of Diaz biting them in the ass, you know, when, when games get serious in September and October. But I take solace in the fact that Buck will always put them in the best position to win, uh, given what Billy Upler gave him. Later. That's why I asked Steve Gelbs the question of who has meant more to the Mets in 2022. And it's impossible to pick between the two. And I know how exemplary Scherzer has been. Scherzer has been so, so good. But the day-in and day-out difference of the way the Mets handle their business, the professionalism, the way the team is run, those intangible factors, that's Buck Showalter. And listen, they had two incompetent managers over the last five, six years. Callaway was way over his head. Rojas was not ready to be a major league manager. And now you're seeing the difference. Hey, you got a leader at the helm. No pun intended, the buck stops here. That's why when I hear a manager doesn't matter in baseball, it bothers me. It bothers me. The Mets would be a better baseball team this year, even if Rojas was on a team. They'd be better. Would they be this good? No chance. No chance. I'd knock off eight to ten games. Someone going to call me crazy for that statement? Screw you. Watch the games and then tell me otherwise. Watch the Mets. Watch the feel of the team and then tell me otherwise. Hate when I hear that narrative. A manager doesn't matter. Because, you know, when you have the right one, it does matter. And it matters in a big way. All right, who's next? Hey, JJ. Eric Dan in Florida. Uh, first time calling in a minute here. Um, alarm bells are starting to go off. Yankees have not been playing any type of real 
quality baseball since before the break. Judge can't carry the team forever. Honestly, after watching this Cardinals series, I can't even be angry watching Jordan Montgomery throw five shutout innings. It just kind of shows you what the Yankees were giving up. Um, starting to get some hairs standing up on the back of the neck here where I'm just seeing uh, some sort of crash. Not saying they don't make the playoffs, but this is the type of team that I can see an early departure from just the way they're playing now. And that's not saying they can't right the ship and get back on course and do what they were doing earlier in the year. But there are some beasts in the American League with Houston, as we know. Who, I mean, we have a miserable record. We really were a couple pitches away from being blanked in our entire series with Houston this year. Mariners just show that they're a real contender with Castillo. Starting to get worried here, JJ. Starting to get worried. Um, hypothetical, if the Yankees do get bounced in the first round, is Boone fired? Love the pod. Keep it up. Take it easy. See you. Eric, I understand the reasons for concern. I think the Yankee fan, all the Yankee fans in my life are not feeling particularly good this weekend. How can you? This is probably the lowest point that you've had at any point in the 2022 season. And you haven't had that all year. I mean, you basically been churning through, riding through, winning series after series after series. This is a major bump in the road now. And it's 40 games of lousy baseball. Um, as far as that hypothetical you brought up, they didn't fire Aaron Boone last year. They were lousy last year. They got punked. They got embarrassed in a playoff game. He got an extension. So if they make the division series and win a division, what changes there? I'm just trying to think the way ownership and the front office would think. No, I I don't think the Yankees would make a change. I think the Yankees are very comfortable with Aaron Boone as the manager of this team. And listen, I have my reservations about that. I am not a believer in the way he handles a baseball team day in and day out, but they could win the World Series with him. They could. Listen, I don't think Dave Roberts is a particularly great manager. I think Dave Roberts is really good with his players. I think he's really good at handling the media. In-game, I think Dave Roberts is not particularly good. Well, guess what? The Dodgers won the World Series in 2020. That's kind of like my saving grace. I think a manager matters, but I think if your team is good enough and it's built the right way, you can survive that. But my bigger concern for the Yankees, like Boone is a concern come October. Make no mistake. Holmes right now is a bigger concern. He's number one on my list. Garrett Cole's probably right behind him because the Yankees need those guys to be great if they're going to win. And right now, neither one is great. All right, we got two to go. Let's hear it. Hey, JJ, this is uh, Zach from Long Beach, New York. Uh, just want to call and talk about the Mets. Uh, what a weekend, man. I, I think I watched all the games, pretty much every every pitch ball. Um, want to ask you, man, though, if you thought – this team really could, you know, get to the end, get to the World Series, and potentially win the World Series. I feel like we're missing a few pieces. You know, they didn't do great at the deadline. But in all reality, you know, I think it's a great team. It's a very fun team to root for. I think that's um, one thing. This is. It, it seems like Keith Hernandez, you know, really enjoys watching them and, and the booth. And uh, they just got a lot of great personalities. Just want to get your thoughts. And, you know, the team feels special. And I just want to see if it's realistic. All right, thanks, man. They are a very fun team to watch. I can totally understand why a guy like Keith would buy in to what he's seeing with this group because they're gritty. Buck Showalter has done a fabulous job, and I think Keith has a respect for what he's seeing from this manager after what you just went through with the last two managers. And then you watch a guy like Scherzer, who's a throwback. I mean, Scherzer could pitch in the 1980s with the way he handles his business. There's a lot to like about this team. Didn't love their bullpen moves or lack thereof at the deadline. But they can win a World Series. I mean, they just punked the Braves four out of five games. Did they not? Punked them. Basically said, hey, and at least it's our time now in 2022. What a banner weekend for the Mets. All right, last but not least, let's hear it, Steph. What's popping? First time, long time. Logan Murdoch from Oakland, California. I just want to say, I just want to say I love the show, but that's not why I'm here. I am here to celebrate one Derek Cheetah, okay? All right. I watched the captain and I know you guys have done a great job chronicling the captain, but I watched the captain because I love great, 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 great theater and love and respect. And it was great to watch Derek Jeter be as open as he's ever been. It was phenomenal. Okay. The first episode, I'm an Oakland A's fan. I put on my A's hat just as respect, but it's 
30 minutes in, I saw that I was disrespecting the captain. So I took that thing off and I stayed and I got an education. I love Derek Jeter. I, this, this, I didn't think I loved him as much as I do now, but after four episodes of the captain, it's great. It's pure, great New York propaganda. I am getting my pinstripe Tim's as we speak. Okay. I am locked in. Shout out to the captain. Shout out to New York, New York. We locked in real ones. I love y'all. Y'all do a great job. I'll holler back. Peace. Wow. The great Logan Murdoch from Ringer fame decides to join us. And, you know, for a guy who came on this pod and is a big Oakland A's guy, that takes a lot from him because they poked the bear a little bit with the A's. The Eric Chavez comments, the flip play. Like, if I were an A's fan, that might be a tough couple episodes to watch. But real respect's real. And if you missed our captain breakdowns, they're on the feed. Jacko and I breaking down every episode. So if you're late to the party, you haven't gotten a chance to watch episode four, episode five, episode six, they're there waiting for you. Whenever you want to listen, whenever you want to take that trip down memory lane, you got the opportunity to do so. So we have that out there for you here on the New York, New York feed. All right. It's time to strike in a big way with trivia. Um, I know Larry in Florida is probably not going to take it easy on me. I hope he's going to take it easy on me, but we'll find out in a little bit. All right, trivia up next. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Trivia time. All right. Larry's ready to go. You got to expect the unexpected with Larry. Larry, the floor is yours. Larry in Florida, how the Yankees do this weekend? Ha ha. Here's the trivia. There's only one quarterback the last four years that has thrown for at least 4,000 yards each year and had a completion rate of 66% or better each year. Who is that quarterback? Second question is, Corbin lost his 15th game this week, making making back-to-back uh, -back seasons with 15 losses. Who's the last pitcher to have back-to-back 15-game -back loss seasons? I'm out. Woo! couple of doozies there from Larry. Uh, I'm going to start with the football one. 4,000 yards each of the last four years and a completion percentage of 66% or better. Stefan, I'm going to start with uh, a guy who's enjoying the, uh, the psychedelics or whatever the hell, the uh, holistic medicine, whatever it may be, uh, Mr. Aaron Rodgers. Mm. Okay, it is not Aaron Rodgers. Guess two. I'm going to go with the best quarterback each of the last four years. Is it Patrick Mahomes? Mm. Not Mahomes. Okay. All right, I got two more guesses at this. Number three. Is it former Seahawk and now current Bronco, Russell Hustle and Bustle Wilson? Mm. My goodness, I am whiffing. All right, I'm taking one more guess and I'm waving the white flag. I don't even know where I'm going with this. 66% or better. He's the greatest quarterback of all time. Is it Tom Brady? Jeez, Louise, who the hell is it? I'm all right, I'm, I'm taking one more guess. Taking one more guess. Is it Minnesota's Kirk Cousins? Steph, give me a hint here. Where the hell am I going? You, you guess pretty much every quarterback in his division except him. Every quarterback in the division except him. So it's got to be the AFC West, and it's each of the last four years. Is it Carr? Derek Carr? I would never in a million years have gotten that correct. Because I didn't think Derek Carr was as accurate three or four years ago. So uh, good job, Larry. Good job. I'm giving all the heavy hitters, and I miss Derek Carr. All right. 15 losses in Back-to-back -back seasons. Who is the last guy to have 15 losses in back-to-back -back seasons? God, I don't even know where to go with this. 
Stefan, are we within the last 20 years? This happened within the last 10. Oh, okay. Within the last 10, 15 losses back-to-back years. Would you say it's from a winning team or a losing team? At that time, this player was playing on a... They were somewhat... They were they were en route to be a winning team. They weren't the winning team yet, but they were en route. I'll say that. Okay. Is it Bartol Colon? Mm. Uh, National League pitcher, Stefan. At the time, he was a National League pitcher. Yes. Okay. So, within the last 10 years... A team that was on the rise. Oh, man. Barry Zito. Mm. You want to give me a hint here? Um, all right. NL. NL Central. NL Central. NL Central. This guy's also a journeyman. He's also played. He did play in the league for 17 years. So they played on a lot of different teams. A lot of different teams. Okay. A lot of different teams. Journeyman. It's not A.J. Burnett, is it? Was I on the right track there? Uh, no, nah, I, would, I, would, I wouldn't consider uh, A.J. Burnett and this guy in the same uh, category. Okay. What team at this rate? I'm never going to get this it. At this rate, uh, this is a gimme. He was on the Cubs at this time. I don't know if that's necessarily a gimme. Okay. So he's a part of the Cubs. The team on the rise. Oh, man. It's not John Lester, is it? Oh, if it's not Lester, is it Lackey? I don't know. Who the hell is it? I don't know. Edwin Jackson. Oh, I never in a million years would have gotten that. I, to be honest, that's a good hint with the journeyman. Edwin Jackson played on so many damn teams. I I, I couldn't even remember him as Chicago Cubs. So, job well done by Larry. I, I take my medicine. It is what it is. That, that's a brutal, brutal question. All right. Jeff Money, Monday card. You rode the Mets this weekend. That did you well. What do we have in store? What's up, JJ? Jeff Money here with a handicapper picks. This is going to be for tomorrow, Monday the 8th. <clears throat> I got two games for you. First game, I'm going to go with the New York Yankees, minus the 120 over the Seattle Mariners. And game number two, I'm going to take the Baltimore Orioles, plus the 135 over the Toronto Blue Jays. Again, we're going to go with the Yankees, minus the 120, and we're going with the Orioles, plus the 135. And everybody can always follow all my daily plays on Twitter at Jeff Money. Okay, JJ, I'm out of here. Let's go. Let's go, Jeff Money. And you would think the Yankees eventually are going to get back to winning ways. Uh, I don't feel great about Tyon on the mound, to be honest with you. That is a lopsided pitching matchup in the favor of the Mariners with Logan Gilbert. The good news is Logan Gilbert was roughed up by the Yankees a couple of days ago. How about the Orioles and what they're doing? The Orioles, they, 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 they actually are in a position where they might make the playoffs. If they even trade away their closer in Mancini. I see them at like plus 130 tomorrow. That's juicy. With Kikuchi on the mound, that's super, super juicy. Um, so, we'll have a fun week in store. Yankee late night football. Come Thursday, we're going to start doing a little bit more football as we get closer and closer to preseason games, start of the season, um, and then we'll get you ready for a Yankee-Red Sox series where the Red Sox are a mess and the Yankees just need wins. So, that'll be coming up later in the week. And we got a couple of things uh, on tap. We'll have a show from the Subway Series at Billy's. That'll be the Monday uh, coming up after the first game they play. Whenever that first Monday is, we'll be doing a show at Billy's. We're going to do a little happy hour in Norwalk, Connecticut at BJ Ryan's, which is going to be a great spot right on the water in Norwalk. So come hang on Friday, 5 to 7. If you're up in that area, if you're making the trek and you're in Connecticut, it's going to be a hell of a time. We'll do a live from up there. We'll have some fun. We'll uh, have some laughs and away we go. So I'm looking forward to that. Great work by Steph. Good to have you back. Steph, by the way, before you say goodbye, what was the highlight of Las Vegas? I got to know. The highlight of Vegas for me, um, 
it was a lot of things. It was good to reconnect. I finally met a lot of my coworkers here at the Ringer, so that was a positive. Um, I was hot. I will tell you this. You might get a kick out of this. I had 27 straight on a crab table Thursday night. 27 straight rolls. I got hot. So that was probably my biggest highlight. How about I that, really bro? Hot, bro? That's, that's the so way to that do it. Fun, man. That is the way to do it. I love it. I love it. Now I got to bring you to Vegas to be my go up show. I have, a, I have I a special table over at the link. So this table is like, it's a newer table. So it's an electronic table. You don't actually put chips on a table. You have like a little tablet machine right in front of you where you can place your butt. So I'm heavy on the field. Mr. Field, that's where I'm at. I live on the field. Oh, you're I'm, a field guy? I See, live I'm on not the a field. field guy. I don't play the field. It made you money, so yeah, we'll power to you. I'm not going to. You didn't play the don't pass, though. If you played the don't pass, you would have yeah. been dead to me. No, I'm on the field. Can't play no, the no. don't pass. You don't bet against no, the never, family. Never. You know? Never do. Never do. But you made yeah. some money. You were hot. Listen, now I know. I got myself a good luck charm. So. The great Stefan was enjoying the, the weekend in Vegas. Unbelievable stuff he's doing with the folks at the Ringer. He's doing a wonderful job for us. Good to have Steph back. We're back on Thursday. We may change our Spotify Live schedule this week. Nothing on Tuesday because we have late night Yankees. Maybe push it later in the week from when we're at BJ Ryan's and then maybe after some Yankee Red Sox on Saturday night. Until then, JJ signing off. Be good, everybody. <laughs>